gosh. Oh, man. Okay. Thank you, Jesus, for today. We are a mess. Uh, but we but we are praise. Amen. Amen, Amen brother. Um, no, God, we just are really thankful for um, the summer and opportunity for us to dive into this challenging book and just have good conversations about um, about revelation, about kind of our place in your story, God. And I pray that as we wrap up tonight, um, you just got our conversation. Um, may it be glorifying to you in your name. Amen. It's recorded. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> we're a mess. We are a mess. This is really related to that. Um, okay, so we are at the conclusion of we're gonna get we're gonna get through it tonight. Um, <clears throat> and we kind of talked about the last time we met that the end of the last sections of the Bible is really like a contrast, and we talked about I think we talked about the whole bride and groom image. And so we've spent um, the last several. Um, can we pull that close? The last several couple weeks talking about really the distraction to the bride and the groom. Um, and so now we actually get to see kind of the bride, like the, the faithful bride. So um, we are going to talk about heaven and it. Probably is going to be a little different than you thought of it, but um, I'm going to turn Haley's question back against you guys or at you guys. How do you guys conceptualize heaven? Before you read a word of Revelation 21 and 22, how do you guys conceptualize this? Well, I now know that it's wrong. Okay, <laughs> we'll talk about it. I don't let's see. How, let's see how wrong it is. Are you talking about the layers to it? Like, yeah, I always thought it was not in the actually sky. just up there. <laughs> I always pictured people like ascending to heaven and then obviously that would mean if you're ascending somewhere it would be in the sky and then I just kind of thought it was like this one big party that everyone who's already passed would be all together dancing <laughs> my family always said like oh they're up there dancing with Jesus and their friends so I <laughs> I always thought everyone was together and I'm really bothered by the fact that maybe they're like in this place of like holding before Jesus comes back. But it wouldn't, it's not a, like a bad place. It's not like it's like. Like, are they alone? Oh, well, no. We talked about it being sort of like sleep where you don't really process the fact that time's passing well, until you wake up. Well, we don't really know. We don't know. But like, they're, like those who have passed that are in, that have followed Christ are with Christ. I guess I just like forgot to think about that, like, the place that they are right now is not the Ultimately. final resting place. Yeah. Well, that's. Okay, well, well, that's one thought. Other people, what's been your conception of, like, heaven as you've thought about it? Informed or not? Like, I guess I, like, I don't now think that it's, you know, up. (laughs) 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 So, like... Google Maps. Yeah, it's just (laughs) up there. No, I... Feel like it's like a place that's similar to this but like like you know you don't conceptualize time passing you can visit your family even though they can't see you <laughs> like you're still like it's still kind of around this plane I guess 
I think like, and I know that like we talked about this one time and like Drew and I were talking about this. Drew, my man, if you're listening to this, wish you were here. Um, R.I.P. Drew. <laughs> no, no, he didn't die. No, he's not He's at you front. He's just, yeah, he's not here. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> Bring it back. That got rough. Alright, so, uh, yeah, we were talking and, like, a lot of people have said, you know, I used to kind of think it was, uh, but now I think it's like around, and I think it's like all around us, kind of in a different dimension, but here. And so I was just thinking about this the other day because, you know, I think about random stuff all the time. And uh, so I was thinking like, there's sometimes the feeling and like people describe the feelings of like, you're, you feel like somebody's with you and like you can feel somebody's presence. So that would kind of explain that theory of being able to feel like somebody's right next to you even if you know we can't see it or feel it um so that's kind of my theory is that it's kind of like a different dimension okay and it's kind of like around us and it's here on earth you know like if you think of like i think of heaven as being like the prettiest places that you can see on earth so you know maybe like a, a beach at sunset and like you know an open field in the middle of the summer like just those things i associate it with like just pure um and so i think it's kind of like that so i think it's a very earthly place it's just kind of a different dimension that where they can see us we just can't see into there that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know when um mcu mcu universe i'm I'm speaking my language yeah they push Oh, and like Doctor Strange. Yeah, kind of what I started envisioning. Like they're just kind of like wandering around amongst us, still interacting, but we don't know it. Okay. Any other thoughts? Maybe that's why places are still haunted. Well, I don't know if we're going to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) We're actually going to be talking about ghosts. But uh, (laughs) ghost hunters. That's what we're doing. I always thought that heaven, I guess like my conception of it hasn't really changed much. I've always thought that heaven's like where everyone's like in their favorite like age, like if that makes sense. So like if someone like passes away when they're like 80 years old and they loved their 20s, I just thought that God would like them back in their 20s in heaven or whatever so that's just what i've always thought okay um i hate to be a spoil sport but most of what you said is not going to get addressed tonight um in this (laughs) these two chapters so what god is concerned about is what we're concerned about is our different things but we're gonna we'll see what we find here so um we're revelation 21 tonight um starting in verse one we're going to go through and do two chapters tonight. So, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Um, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a, as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, 
God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He is seated on the throne and said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So I'm going to stop there. What um, sticks out? To new you. heaven and new earth for the first heaven and first earth that passed away. Okay, talk about that. Look, what, 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 what is that? I think that just reemphasizes that it's we haven't reached the new heaven until the Lord comes back. Now, I will say, and I'll, I'll give you kind of um, the reason why I would frame it this way as we get into it a little bit deeper into the these passages. Um, I wouldn't think of what is said in there so much as God took, takes this stuff, like takes where we're at and just crumples it up and throws it over his shoulder and says, new. Think of it more like somebody who takes like an old car or like an old piece of furniture and like restores it to be like better than brand new. That's really the image that you want to go for with the new heaven and new earth. It's not like God just takes this one and it's like, well... That one was not good. Because I was going to ask, like, what, like, what would you necessarily envision? Like, anything, this is up for anybody. Is like, when you see Jerusalem, Jerusalem coming out of the out of heaven, would you like see it like just like flat land, just like, oh look at this? Well, <laughs> out of a UFO, like the house in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh, this is ours. No way. Well, and that, and it, to kind of so remember, like, what are the rules of apocalyptic literature? Like, don't get too caught up in, like, up and down and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think the point of what John is writing is, like, there's literally going to be a city that's like, oh, it's going to crush us. Like, kind of like, it may just um, appear. It's just like God is establishing in Jerusalem. I mean, what do you guys know about Jerusalem in Scripture? Okay. Why is it the holy city? What makes it a, the holy city? Because God said it was... Okay. It's but, not where Jesus was born. He correct. was born in Bethlehem. Correct. Good job. Thanks. Which is outside of Jerusalem. So kind of a suburb? <laughs> um, a bit farther than a suburb, but okay. yeah. yeah. Um, like a small town. <laughs> so where the holy temple is. Yeah. The temple is going to get destroyed. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's temple was built there, a few different versions, right? Because <laughs> Solomon builds a temple and Herod builds a temple. That temple gets destroyed in 70 AD, so it gets it gets torn down. There was a tabernacle before that, um, so, and that was the understanding, and that's really important to understand because the rest of the rest of um, 21, especially, is going to make a lot more sense if you understand the temple. The temple um, imagery is really strong in this chapter, um, and the temple. Does anybody know kind of the general outline of like? The temple, or should I walk through that for y'all? I would love if you could walk, yeah, through, just walk through it. Through it. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna use the blackboard. <laughs> Ooh, wow. podcast, you should see this <laughs> <laughs> for our audio listeners out there. I'll just, Tom just, is using the blackboard, I'll describe it in full describe. detail. Should I get really close to the mic and talk really quietly? Okay, just like bring a mic, you have to do it like you have to do it at like golf, though. It's like. Lining up for the putt. <laughs> 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 All right. Tom takes and he's drawing another line. Oh, 
it's good. <laughs> this is why this can't be publicized to the rest of the church body. It could so this be. Would be just weak. <laughs> this would be like the outside of the court. There would be a wall into like the, the temple complex. And so that would be kind of the first layer. And then inside is like the temple itself. And in the temple, you have, this is like the Holy of Holies, the square. And in here, in the Old Testament times, you have like the Ark of the Covenant. And this was a spot in um, Yom Kippur. Have you ever heard of Yom Kippur? They still celebrate it. It's the Day of Atonement. And so on Yom Kippur, um, the priest would go in to the Holy of Holies. It would offer a sacrifice for all the sins of all the people. Um, and so that was, like a, that, was like a, that was like an annual thing. So, so you'd, have a, you'd have the Holy of Holies, the only person that can go in there is the high priest, and they can only go in like, like once a year. This is where like the presence of God is like a concentrated presence of God. Like nothing, nothing unclean or impure can be in that, in that box, essentially. So then you have the next room kind of right off of that. It's called the Court of Men. So if you were a Hebrew man, you could be in that part. Then you have the Court of the Women, which is if you're a Hebrew woman, you can be in this part. And then this is everything else is the Court of the Gentiles. And then um, in the kind of the tabernacle, there would be an altar out here where there would be fire and they would pile up sacrifice. There would just be like a huge flame shooting out here. And this part, um, if you remember the story of Jesus flipping over the tables and the money changers, that happened there. And the reason why Jesus is upset is like, these are the people that, you know, when God calls to Abraham and says, I'm calling you and blessing you so you'll be a blessing to all the people of the earth, the, the goal of that was for Gentiles, people who are not Jewish, to come to know God. And so that was like their space that was available to them to be able to worship and to get to know God. And so basically when you set up shop and are selling stuff, it's like right in the middle. It'd be like right in the middle of like a section at church. Like people are trying to like worship and sing hymns and somebody's just trying to sell stuff like in your section. It's like, like, we're in there, but then there's the people from the baseball games that come down. Peanuts! Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like this right in front of the booth and being like, hey. Yeah, so so Jesus is basically like, you don't care about those people. You don't care about the Gentiles. Like they're trying to worship and you're just trying to sell stuff. And so so that image, well, I didn't really make a really straight rectangle today. Um it's like um, but that's gonna be really important for um our conversation in a few minutes. Um that picture so just kind of keep that in mind that you have the te- the temple the temple um, would be in Jerusalem and that box where the holy of holies is that's kind of like that's where like heaven meets earth is in that in that room so um so we first so we talked about new heaven new earth kind of this whole idea of being something being restored talked about this whole idea of the new Jerusalem coming down, being established in Jerusalem is, it's really the capital city of God in the world. It's kind of like a Hebrew would understood Jerusalem was like the headquarters of God where he rules the rest of all of creation from. 
So that's why it's called the New Jerusalem. I have a question. Yeah. This might get really off. I don't know. Okay. But we talk about Earth a lot, so that just kind of makes me think, like, are we not supposed to go to other planets? Like, is um, Earth where we're supposed to be? I, so I think that the short answer to that question for me is, like, that's, first of all, the original hearers are first century people. Okay that had no even dream of going into other planets. And so he's trying to deal with them with their... Yeah. So I don't think it has anything to do with, like, space exploration. I think it's more just about, like, this is the focus of the Bible is Mm -hmm. God and his people on Earth. Now, it does raise a question that the Bible doesn't even touch. Like, is there life somewhere else? And God has his own story with other people somewhere else. Um, um, I mean, there's no way to know that, but I mean, it does kind of raise a question is like, is there a whole nother, Mm -hmm. is there a whole nother story happening like somewhere else with a whole different, yeah, I mean, (laughs) or, or are we really the only beings in the whole, all of the galaxies Mm -hmm. with souls and intelligence? Like, well, I, I know it's funny to, and, and it is. But at the same time, we've seen thousands of pages of being um, unfaithful. I think it'd be pretty ironic, uh, not even ironic, uh, hypocritical to then have another another planet of people just... (laughs) And see, I think about the fact that, like, space is there's no end to it so like I always think about like how can we just assume that we're the only people in all of space yeah I mean I think I I would say Haley the short answer to your question is like God doesn't really want us to worry about yeah. that okay. <laughs> like this is he wants us to worry about which is why like Where we are right now. of all of scripture this is all like think we get of heaven and all of the whole bible I feel like this is a theme in the Bible. Like, like we get hung up on a lot of things like, that aren't that important. Yeah, like don't don't worry about this because really you're gonna probably be a little bit disappointed by what this doesn't. Like a lot of the things that we get fixated on about heaven, it doesn't answer any questions about who like who knows who and who remembers who and are the families together. The only thing it does Jesus does talk about that like the concept of marriage is kind of irrelevant in heaven. Oh, well, think about this. <laughs> Think about this, Haley, because this, this is a question that's, that's asked of him. Okay. So if you're married to somebody and your husband dies and you get remarried, who's your husband in heaven? Oh, wow. I've always thought about that, that husband. I wanted there to be an answer to give you. I can't think of it. But, that's, but, 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 but Jesus basically, he come, because that's asked, that's asked of him. Because there's like Levitical law about, you know. Because then wasn't faithful. the brother of the husband supposed to marry the widow? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, and so that's, they ask him, and Jesus is like, you're basically saying you're asking the wrong question. You're getting hung up on the wrong questions. Like, it's like, the kingdom of God is different than, okay. the, the way we relate to each other is just different than we do on earth. So I don't think it's like, and again, beyond that, it is all hypothesis. I mean, I think you could hypothesize to say, you know, we all have really intimate relationships or, you know, I don't know. The, the one thing I thought, um, I don't know that he said it and Dan said in the, in the sanctuary, but I think he maybe just said it at dinner. 
it's interesting, you know, we talk about Christ is the first one that has like a heavenly body, like a resurrected body, right? Like he comes out of the grave and he still has scars in his, in his resurrected body. He still has holes, the holes in his wrists and in his side because remember he says to Thomas, like, but you're... Mm-hmm. So the question is like, you know, we talk about there's, there's no tears, like we don't have pain, but is there like... A, do we still have like some of the marks of the hard times of our life, but we just have a holy perspective on that. Like we get to see the purpose behind mm-hmm. like what God's like, why we went through that situation and, and we're, we're okay with it because we like right now it's just like, I don't know why that happened. It doesn't have any rhyme or reason. Like when we're in heaven, we understand like, okay, this is the context of why this happened. So it's an interesting thought that I never thought of that before that. Yeah. The first resurrected body still has like, Neil Pierce like still has scars where the nails went in. Those aren't healed up. That's interesting. I also think like, can we compare what we will be to what Jesus was as a resurrected body? Yeah, I do. I do think that's like the proto. Jesus is the prototype for like resurrected humanity. I would say that. But like, we can never be <laughs> Jesus. Right. Yeah. He's well, God. Like, like, I think. I think S-tier the other versus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think like Goldberg's maybe Goldberg. maybe I'm wrong on this, so correct me if I am. But I think Carter's like saying, is there like a difference? Like obviously Jesus like painted in this picture in Revelation, right. which is like supposed to be Jesus at right. any moment in time. Right. Is obviously different than like Jesus on earth in his resurrected body. So cool. are we going to be different when we're in heaven? Like we may just all be completely different. Yeah, I mean I think there is a sense of I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing I would say is that I, I think we will be physical in some way, shape, or form. Because everything you are going to read about in 21 and 22 is physical, has physical attributes. We're not like a disembodied ghost. Like we are physical in some way and we are, you know, perfected in, so, in some way. What that exactly looks like, the Bible just doesn't get into it. But, but I just think that's the only example we have of a resurrected body is Jesus. So that's where you kind of go, hmm, like how much is that? Yeah. Like, is are all is that everybody or is that just Jesus has some specific things because he's God in human form? It's good. It's an unanswerable question. <laughs> you guys are so disappointed. Like, I was waiting for the answers. I've been here on the Bible study. All I just struggle There's with things that aren't. Like, I'm so scientific that I don't like when things aren't, like, black and white. And I feel like none of this is, it's all gray. Well, you, so you are, you are, you've been schooled. Mm-hmm. I have been. <laughs> and, no, I've no, been no. humble. Thank no, you. No, no. But you've been schooled in a very Greek way. Oh. Like our like education system is based on yes. Greek and like Greek philosophy and Greek foundation, which is like, it's either this or that. Amid an Eastern or Hebrew way of looking at the world is it can be it can be some of this and some of that. It holds two opposites in tension a lot. Mm-hmm. So if you go to like Middle and that's and that's not just like Hebrew. That's like a lot of Middle Eastern cultures okay. and Eastern. So we we are school in a Western way of thinking, but the Bible is written by people that had a much more Eastern way of thinking about things. So it's tough for us because they they're really okay with gray, mm-hmm. like they're fine with the things being gray and being squishy and. Like, the way a rabbi is taught to answer a question is with another question. Oh, guys. That's, that's literally the rabbinical way of teaching is, like, if you ask a question. Like, you see it, Jesus do it all the time. They'll say, Jesus, is it this or is it this? He'll say, well, let me ask you. He'll say, well, let me ask you this. Oh. Let me pose this question to you. 
what color do you think this is? Well, what color do you think this is? <laughs> or he'd or he'd be like, well, why do you think that matters, Reagan? <laughs> that would be like Tom is expressing his Jesus. Because I'm colorblind. Now, now, I know, now I know why Tom has been questioning us so much lately because he's been. I'm trying to follow trying the footsteps to, of the Master, man. Yeah, the exactly. Master educator. Becoming like Jesus together. There you go. That's our that's our mission. Podcast? That's right. That's right. It's frustrating. So that's great. All right. So, um, so you have, we talked about the New Jerusalem coming down. Um, now, here's a main theme. Um, okay, we're starting a Bible study in two weeks on the 20. What's, the, what's two weeks from today? Two weeks from uh, today? 16th. 16th. The week after that. The 23rd. 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 Uh, We're taking two weeks off. Two weeks off. I'm going to do eight weeks on the whole story of the Bible. And... Rude. (laughs) Because this is going to get you hungry. Once you get done with this, you're going to be hungry for this. I will probably record the podcast. Thank you. I may even set up a camera so I can record me actually teach you it. You could watch it. So. Um, we'll do it in the sanctuary. We can learn. Um, <laughs> that's rude. But um, spoiler alert: a main theme of the Bible. This is something for those of you note takers to take note of. The God dwelling with people is like the main theme of the Bible, and it is like God. God saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. That is the theme of the Bible. And you see that's the theme in Genesis, beginning of Genesis, and God having this close relationship with people, and then that's broken with sin, and then you see the entire rest of the Bible is God like working to restore this relationship. So when he says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What they are hearing is, finally. Like, we, like you talk about, we've been waiting all summer, but they've been waiting all of the history of their people for this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, and you think about, you know, all of the stuff we talked about, of them, like, struggling under the Roman Empire, and, like, being, you know, seduced by these different, you know, pagan religions and being seduced by being powerful and all this kind of stuff. And, and so this underlying question of like, is it worth it? Is it worth it to follow Jesus? Is it worth it to finally, it's like, yes, you finally get to have it. You finally get to be with God in this intimate way. And because of that, then it's, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What is there to be sad about? You, ha- you are in the presence of God, like this intimate, this relationship is, is, and so for them, again, their lives are full of pain. So all of this stuff of no more mourning or crying or pain, think about how many of them have lost family members to the Romans or have lost family members to poverty or have lost family members to starving to death. Um, like this is very like they are like when they're hearing this they are probably picturing family members that they have lost, and so this brings it back and it's like, all right, there will be no more death. All of that stuff that we went through, it's over. I don't ever have to go to another funeral for the rest of my 
rest of my eternity. There will be no more funerals. You don't ever have to say goodbye to people ever again. Um, For the old order of things has passed away. What do you think that means? Spitballing. Just like the power of Satan, maybe? Okay. I don't know. I take that as like like your traditions, like things that you've been doing, like in the end, like they don't matter in the end. Okay. Like now, instead of God being separated from us, he's living among us. So like the old order of him being away has died. And it's also just like birth, life, death. Like that cycle. Mm-hmm. There's, no more, there's no more birth, life, death cycle. There's just life. So that way we look at like, you're going to get born, you're going to grow up, you're going to grow old, your body's going to start breaking down, and then you're going to die. Like that, you think about how much of that our lives are focused around. Think about like how much money is spent on like covering up wrinkles or, you know, hair replacement or, you know, physical therapy for your for your, you know, body that's not working correctly or, you know, surgeries that have to take place. Like all of these things that we do to try to maintain our health and hold on to our youth. Because we're trying to stave off, right? We're trying to stave off like as long as we can this, like what is inevitable for all of us. There's no reason to com- combat any decay because it There's no decay. There's no more, yeah, there's, the de- there's no more decay. So it really is like a whole orientation of our lives. And even I would say in some ways, like a motivation to follow Christ in some ways is like, I want to make sure that I've left, I've led a good life because I want to be with Jesus. I want to, you know, I want to be faithful. And it's like, you don't have to like live under that pressure even of, you know, I'm, I'm going towards this destination. It's like, you are in the destination. You're in, you're, you have reached your destination and you are there. Um, so it's just, when you start really thinking about it, you think about how much of our life is oriented around the inevitable end of our lives and how, and the, and the inevitable decay of our bodies. I mean, I even think about like once in a while, I'll, I'll throw up like a, an old picture on like social media of like in high school or college. And it's just like, sometimes I throw up that be like, see you guys, like, you can't hold on to it forever. <laughs> like, you know, like, like it just breaks down. Like, you know, so if you're, if you're, if you fall in love with somebody because man, they're amazing looking like not forever. Like it's just, you know, it just, it just is your body. Like, like, yeah, there's definitely beautiful, <laughs> but you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we, we fixate often so much on like an exterior of somebody but that like breaks down after a while. And so just, it kind of just reorients like what, like I think honestly a lot of Revelation 21, 22 come boils down to like what's really, what, what's really important. Like what's really important about what you're, what you're focusing on. And so, um, can I ask a yeah. question? You said there is no more um, birth, life, death cycle. It's just life. 
So that means there's no more birth either? Uh, it doesn't seem like it. Because yeah. even, and this is, this is a whole sidebar conversation, there's even sort of an indication that there's not really even gender, like, in heaven. That we're just kind of like... That's why, like, marriage is, like, not an not a issue. It's like, there's no need to, like, procreate. And, like, it's just, we're just kind of these... So I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's it's reading like into... Sort of like these earthly traditions don't really apply. It's not even traditions. It's no, just, it's like... Kind of wrong word, yeah. But. It's just, like, the way... Again, it's, like, the way life works is no longer necessary. Mm-hmm. Because okay. we've populated the planet. We've done... If we don't need to build civilizations anymore, it's, the, it's already built. So just, again, it's like so much of what we orient our lives for, like personal achievements yeah. and all these things. It's like, so that's where it is. It's sort of like, it makes you really, you know, when you hear like your parents maybe say like, well, focus on eternal things. Those are what lasts. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what they're talking about. Because it doesn't say anything about trophies. It doesn't say anything about awards. It doesn't say anything about... I feel like this about... is a really good materialistic check. Like, what are you really thinking about that you're taking with you to heaven? Versus well, what's really important is God. Because, like, I'm sitting here really upset that I might not go with my family or my husband or someone. But, like, that's not what's important. It's kind of like a shifting of priorities. Well, and I think it really also puts the emphasis on, like, enjoy this while you have it, yeah. too. Like, yeah. I think God would say, like, don't, I mean, there's so many times where the Lord says, like, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's got enough to worry about for itself, which is really hard to do when you have anxiety because <laughs> that's all you can do is worry about tomorrow. But I think there is a focus of, like, you have, you hold, again, intention, mm-hmm. like building for eternity, but also, like, appreciating what is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Don't miss, like, what's right in front of you. But that's the thing, like, you know, a lot of times we talk about sharing our faith again, and it's like we are like so in our culture. It's like so much like oh, I don't, I don't want to bum anybody out. I don't want to make it awkward. But like you know, when you read through this, you're like, don't you want everyone to experience this? Like, don't you want everybody that you, you know, even the people you don't care about? Like, wouldn't you want them to experience? So this is sort of that motivator too of like, man, I. It doesn't matter how much money I made. It doesn't matter how many you know, awards I won, I just want to be all the people, I want all the people to be in this spot. Um, so, um, I got a quick comment. Yeah. I just yeah. like, I had a revelation, like thinking about all this stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, <laughs> He's like, I tried. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and like, this is a thought that I've had for a while, but it just hit me like a really good comparison for it um, when Haley was talking. So I've always thought, you know, like obviously when I was younger and everybody's always had the idea of like, you hear it all the time. Oh, well, you know, when somebody in your family dies, well, you know, you'll see them again in heaven. But like my thing is, um, and so this this might sound like really corny or really cheesy, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many people can relate to this, but like, if you've ever been, like, and it could go both ways, like if you've been hanging out with somebody, whether it's on a date, or like if you're hanging out with your best friend, and everything just kind of like fades, and like you're just focused on like enjoying your time with that person, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of like what heaven would be, except mm-hmm. that person is God. To the point where nothing else really matters. We're kind of in a state of euphoria where we're just kind of focused on 
God and not on people or problems or you know so and so or doing this or doing that it's just kind of like you have that euphoria sensation all the time for God I think it's great I think also so does anybody know who Louis Giglio is you heard that name before yeah he's always a passion yeah he started passion oh as a he had a college ministry at Baylor um, back in the 80s and 90s, which David Crowder was like a worship leader in that student ministry, like when he was in college. Casual. Um, like he was, he grew up under Louis Iglio's like leadership. So anyway, like a lot of those like passion, the people that are part of that all grew up out of like college ministries. But anyway, so he did a talk, I mean, this has been like two, it's a long time ago, like 2003 or something like that, about heaven. And I thought he had a really good, it's not like, it's not like a biblical passage, but he talked about, he told a story of, like, he went to go see this movie. Um, it was actually a golf movie called, like, I think it was like Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius or something like that. It was the guy who played um, Jesus in Passion of the Christ was in a golf movie, like, way back in the early 2000s. Anyway, so they were at this movie, and, like, it didn't, the reason why you probably haven't heard of it is because it didn't do anything. It didn't win any awards, and it was, like, kind of a box office failure. But they went to go see it. He, he was going there with his wife, and there was, like, one guy. It was, like, the two of them, this guy, is, like, Louis Giglio's wife, and, like, one other guy were in the whole movie theater. And this guy was, like, in the, like, one of the first rows, just, like, staring at the screen. And he was so excited. And then um, he came up and talked to them. He, like sat in front of them and turned around and started talking to them. And they're like, this is a, what? It's a movie. Like, this is weird. But he's, he, he asked them, like, are you in the movie? And, and they're like, are you in the movie theater? He's like, no, are you in the movie? And he's like, I'm in the movie. I'm in this movie. And he was like an extra in the bar scene. And, like, the camera, like, just literally pans over him for, like, a second. But he was so excited to see himself, like, in the movie, even though he didn't have a speaking part or anything. He's like... He's like, I wonder if heaven is like the world premiere of the movie of everything. And you get to see what part you actually played in mm-hmm. this movie that God. Wow. And so like, That's cool. and so where it's like, oh, that person actually did that. And that person, they actually did all this stuff. Like they, you would have never expected. They actually, so, and I was like, that's kind of a cool thought of like, you know, I do, th- I don't know if it's like a movie but I do think like I do think part of being in this New Jerusalem is having an awareness of like this is the part that you played in this story that God had and you, and like there is a joy in that of like you know that relationship you invested in or that person that you mentored or that person that you loved well or that person that you took care of or that person like that isn't so much like you know when I was growing up I was like we got another jewel in your crown you you know, carry that old lady's garbage out. It's, like, not so much, like, worrying about that, but it's just, like, seeing, like, okay, what difference did that make when you did all that stuff? And so that's just kind of a cool thought as you kind of lean into that of, like... Um, so anyway, all right. I mean, it's 9 o'clock already. we got so much to talk about. Okay, so... Verse 5. He was seated on the throne. He said, I am making everything new. And that's getting back into that restoration language. He said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. 
Now that spring of the water of life, because I don't, we, we've got to get through some other stuff. Just a quick thing. If you go back to um, the Gospel of John, in John chapter 4, um, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And he says, I'll give you living water and you'll never be thirsty again. Mm-hmm. That's what he's referring to. It's that same imagery from way back in John 4 of like, this is basically you're going to get to be, you know, drink from this spring of eternal life. Um, those who are victorious will inherit all this. Again, you got Olympic language again. And will be, I will be there again, and then reiterating the theme again, I will be their God and they will be my children. So, again, that's a theme of like, I'm God, you're with me, we're going through this journey of life. But, now this is an interesting list. Maybe not what you would normally think of. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So it's really interesting, like, you know, if you were to, if you were to put together like a list of like, well, what are the, what are the, what are the issues? Like cowardly would not necessarily be one that you would like. And what he's, again, going back to all that we've talked about, think about who he's talking to. He's talking to Christians in a culture where it takes a lot of courage for them to not participate in temple worship and not participate in some of these cults and not participate, you know, in a lot of the, you know, um, cult practices that are orgies and stuff like that. And the magic arts or all these worship of these other gods. And so it's like basically one last time saying, if you invest yourself into the system, you will not be a part of this. Like you will not get a chance to be a part of this. So just just one last thing before we move on and talk about how awesome everything is. Just a reminder, like. So question. Mm-hmm. We don't really talk about like redemption within those things. So is he saying like, because the rest of the Bible is saying, well, if you've been these things and then you realize and you repent and you try to change your ways, like are we. Yeah, and it's not. It's talking about people who have like given themselves like into that. Yeah, to that. yeah, okay. yeah. It's okay. it's the mark of the beast thing. That, okay. that yeah, they basically said like this is more important to me. Okay. Than Jesus. Got yeah. It. Yep. Yep. Um, a good. That's a good clarifying question though. Okay, so now we get into some really cool stuff. What's that? I said I was wondering the same thing about like when it talks about liars. Like when I was a kid, I probably lied to my mom about like no i didn't have an extra cookie like but, <laughs> I, was like, I lied probably but, I, like, but, do i like but, get thrown into that well I, and I think about like you know i preached on thyatira a couple weeks ago and jezebel who like leads people astray away from mm-hmm. jesus like that's the kind of like okay, liar. <laughs> okay. It's like you're good but but it's isn't it interesting though that sometimes we focus so much on like certain sins and you wouldn't think of like yes. lying yeah but i think there is a real accountability on like people who like deceive people away from Jesus or deceive people away from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of this world. Like there is a high price to pay for that. Yeah. Well, cause I was wondering, cause we always talk about how like all sin is equal, like in the eyes of God. And so that's where I was just like, like Jezebel, you yeah. know, that's a big thing versus like, like I said, lying about eating an extra cookie 
but in theory, he sees, like, all sin is the same, so that's where I'm like... Well, and I think the church likes to focus a lot on outward sin that they can see versus, like, the heart sins, such as pride or comparison or greed. We don't talk about as much. Or gluttony. Well, like, not to be... Not to be... I don't want to get super, like, political, but I I mean, I would say uh, an example of a modern-day... deception is like QAnon you know where you have like like a guy that will call himself like the high priest and like he's like they're like you know attacking the capitol building and like offering prayers as they're like beating cops and spraying them with mace and stuff like that like that's I would run far away from that that feels a lot more like uh, belief that people are tempted into that takes your allegiance. Like there's people with Jesus banners beating people with them. Like that, you know, Dan talked about that on Wednesday night. Like the kingdom of God was never won with a sword or a gun or a, with your fists. You know, it's just a different kind of a kingdom. Even though we've tried, like the Crusades and all this kind of stuff. So it's that kind of stuff. I mean, you have to think about like during the Crusades, you would literally have popes that would walk up to a knight and say, you are for, you're forgiven for whatever you do on the battlefield. So, you know, because you're going to do this in the name of God, Sydney. So they would go out and do awful stuff, like rape and kill, kill babies and kill, you know, cut babies out of mother's wombs and burn down people's villages and stuff. And they would say, well, but because they're Muslims, like, you know, we're doing the Lord's work. And it's just like, that's just never... It's never how it works. This is never how it works. Even though you might say, well, they have a false religion. Like, that's not how, that's not how that works. And so, yeah, it's just, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to be like, oh, but the, that I would say, to me, QAnon is an example of where you take, like, something that looks true and you wrap it in this other thing. Mm-hmm. And so not everything that has the name Jesus on it is Christianity. I'll just say that. you, you got to go back to the scripture and say, Man, where does this stuff line up? So that's one my... thing that I really liked um, that Dan talked about. Like he said, you know, when people ask me, you know, are you Republican or are you Democrat? And he's like, no, I'm biblical, biblical, which is really good because, you know, like there's a lot of things that I hear, you know, obviously, like I have friends who are Republican, Democrat, right. and like, you know, there's like some things from like both sides that I align with and it's right. not all like, right. you know, one or none. I mean, it's like, you know, there's, there's like a lot of hard choices to make and that's why like, I wish I could run for president right now because I feel like I'd be able to make a good president, but maybe someday yeah. hope to get off your guys' votes. <laughs> <laughs> that just turned into a pitch. I got it all figured out already. But thought about this a few times. But anyway, so it's just. Uh, <laughs> it's, I love Jenica's face. Like Jenica's like this. absolutely Jenica not. Jenica just wants to live in the white. <laughs> she's like, no, that's not what I was I'm thinking. I'm not sure like why you would ever want to be president. Because I want to fix things. But Have you ever heard him say that before? Is this the first time you're hearing first it? Time. <laughs> that's beside the point. That's beside the point. It's getting off track. Jenica's the MVP. I just, I, uh, like, I really think that a lot of times we get too wrapped up in, you know, Christians should be this, or they should be that, and they shouldn't be, they should be 
conservative or they should be progressive and you know most of the time like I mean well that's wrong all the time like we can find our answers in the Bible yeah and I think too many times people try to find their answers in political statements instead mm-hmm. and so that's when you know it gets to be really polar because I feel like if we all followed the Bible then we could all really come in and agree as one and kind of mm-hmm. lose our politicized ends of the spectrum. And, and I think on top of that, I think that's right. And one thing I've really appreciated about this group this summer is that you guys are willing to have like your biblical understanding sort of challenged. And maybe I was wrong in this area. And Dan actually sure. tweeted something um, like in the last couple of days, like if your Jesus agrees with everything you believe in, then you probably built yourself an idol. Like Jesus always was challenging people's perspectives and challenging what they thought about things. And so like, if you just have made Jesus in your image, like that's the only thing that that's only I think you, to qualify Dan's statement about being biblical. Like, yeah, we got to be biblical, but we also have to be willing to think, to be willing to say there might be a way that I'm viewing the Bible that isn't quite right. And I'll say, I mean, I've been teaching the Bible for 20 years. I've been reading the Bible for a lot longer than that. And I constantly am like, man, I never, I never saw that before. I never saw that angle before. I got to go rethink things. And so I think it's important for us to come to this with a lot of humility and a very teachable heart because I mean, there's even stuff that I'm sure I'm teaching you tonight that I'll have a better understanding of it in 10 years. You know, like I could give you, oh, I told this to you, but, you know, it actually is more like this than I – so I think even like me, yes, I do the study and do the research. I read the commentaries and stuff, but it's a living word. The Holy Spirit works through it. And so I think it's just really important for us to constantly have that posture of like having our viewpoints challenged. And if you, I would agree with you too, Joe. I think if you find yourself like I fully align with this platform, I think you should, there's a good amount of skepticism where I go like, is there something I'm missing? Like, do I... Why do I fit into this box so cleanly? Is there something that, you know, that I'm missing? Or is there something? Because I, I think, I don't think there's anything that's out there that is fully biblical. Like, I don't think there's any platform that I've seen. I'm like, yep, that's all biblical. It's always like, well, I like like three out of the four things, but four, I can't get on board with four, you know? So, and that makes it hard because you have, you know, what David was talking about on Sunday too. You have people that are very black and white. They're like, it has to be this. And if you're not this, then you're not a Christian. And it's like, okay, let's just. I, mean, I hope I didn't let myself into that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but you, but, but, but I see it all the time in, in conservative and progressive spaces. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, if you don't, if you didn't vote this way, like this. Well, it's harmful because then it causes people to question their own faith and their own Christianity. Well, and I think the testimony to the world outside the church is like, y'all can't even get along. Why do I want to be part of that if y'all are just a big hot mess? Yeah. Which we always are going to be kind of a big hot mess because we're human beings. But, I mean, we should, we could be a lot more gracious with one another. So, all right, man, that was a little tangent, but that was worth, that was worthwhile tangent. Okay. Um, All right, so, verse 9. One of the seven angels who had seven bulls full of the seven last plagues came to me and said, come, which is interesting. The seven angels who was doing this judgment stuff now is saying, come, I'll show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So not doing judgment anymore, but it's interesting that that's how he's described. 
carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city. uh, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. At a great high wall with 12 gates, with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of, God, of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. It measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia, or 1,500 miles in length, and as wide and as high as it is long. So time out. According to, if you just take this literally, what does, what does, the, what does the city look like? What shape is it? It's a cube. A perfect cube. Three by three by three by three. Oh, it's the, the, the oh, thing. It's a rectangle. Wow. What is that? What, what, what did I say this, this part of the temple is? The Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. What happens in the Holy of Holies? Only clean, concentrated presence of God. It's like where heaven and earth meet. So now everything is the Holy of Holies. Because the earth is made new yeah. with the new heaven. Yeah. Okay. And all of the jewels and everything like that, um, if you go back, again, we're, we've got a lot of Jewish audience. If you think about um, a high priest would wear a chest plate that was gold and it had different colored jewels in it. That's what, and the high priest was the one that got to, you know, bring those sacrifices to God. Now it's everybody is in that category that it's not just the high priest, it's everybody gets to be in God's presence that way. Mm-hmm. And so that's the imagery that we're being, that's being thrown out. So don't, again, don't get caught up in like, I mean, 1,500 miles from here is like California, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Is that pretty close? Mm-hmm. 1,500 miles? Yeah. So 1,500 miles. Yeah, yeah. A little less than that, or a little bit more than that, probably. But I mean, like that's a huge city, yeah. like fifteen hundred miles in all directions, and fifteen miles, fifteen hundred miles up. Oh, so it's not like fifteen hundred isn't like the square mileage of the city. No, it's like, like each entire, wall is fifteen hundred uh, miles. When it means up, does that mean that there's like, all, yeah, every building is just like tall enough that it reaches that high? This is like the wall of the city. Oh, the wall of the city. So I was picturing like a skyscraper. In? So wait, why does it say in the next? Go ahead. Verse. Why is it saying then that it's 144 cubits, the wall? I think it's, it's like thick. Yeah, thick. Thick. With yeah. Two yeah. 144 cubits I thick. I don't understand. Or high. Mine says um, the human measurement was 144 cubits. That's about 200 feet or 65 meters. Um, and then thick says or high. Yeah, but, oh, but he just yeah, but he just he just talked about earlier. He said twelve hundred stadia in length as wide and high as long. So it's mm-hmm. up, long, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. two hundred feet. This. this is very robust walls. So Haley's like, why do we have walls? Well, yeah, like isn't heaven like? Oh. 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Hang in. Hang in. So the, um, the wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, pure as glass. So now we're talking about something supernatural because I don't know. If the, we've never seen gold that is translucent. Mm-hmm. So these are these are like different properties of what. But also, again, goes back to like, what do we put our faith in? What do we put our like? Are we pursuing gold? Gold is literally asphalt in heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the value of gold. It's what they pave the streets with. So as much as we, like, pursue, like, these precious things, it's like, this is just, like, what they're going to pave the streets with in heaven. Just so. throw it down there. <laughs> so, like... Is this where the birthstones come from? I don't know. <laughs> where the first is Jasper, all that stuff. This, But, yeah, this is all the jewels from uh, High Priest's um, chest plate chest is what, is what this is. Um, foundations of the city wall were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Its first foundation was jasper, second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolith. This is all, again, high priest gems. The eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, so the gates are literally like a gigantic pearl. Each gate is made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, pure as trans- transparent glass. So just blowing your mind. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. That means everything is a temple. The city does not need a sun or a moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives its light and the light, Lamb its lamp. The nations will walk. The nations. Important note. Going back to Revelation 7, talking about every tribe, tongue, and nation. Like, this is a multicultural, global, cross-cultural, huge thing. Um, again, which is important to note because, again, you've got a primarily Jewish audience. And God's trying to remind them, you exist for the sake of everybody else. This isn't just your personal, private country club of heaven. It is a place that is, you are supposed to be sharing this witness out to all the nations. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will will sit will bring their splendor to it. On no day will its gates be shut, for there um, for there will be no night there. So even though there's walls and even though there's gates, it's open. The city's always open. Okay. In the ancient world, there's not electricity, right? So and so the light that your your city is lit by is torchlight. So a lot of your crime happens at night because it happens in the shadows. And so there was a lot of fear. People just didn't really go out at night unless you were kind of up to no good. Kind of like it is today in some ways. Um, <laughs> um, so, but that's the idea is like when he says there will, ne- there will, ne- um, there will be no night, basically saying there's not going to be a time where people are going to be up to no good. Like there's not like a – you don't have to ever worry about somebody breaking into your house. You never have to worry about – Somebody that you can't trust. Like, don't, okay. like, all that anxiety about crime, you don't have to worry about it anymore. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the, in the book of life. That's not to say that there's, like, people outside the city that are going to try to get in. It's basically just saying, like, it's just reiterating, like, this is for those who have chosen that seal of the Spirit that Dan talked about. Last Wednesday night. Okay, now it really gets cool. For Bible nerd, anyway. 
Um, Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. So this idea of just God's kind of light, eternal life, just flowing out of the city. This is an image of, you know, it's a conduit. So everyone who exists in this place are all beneficiaries of this. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. Back to that sealed spirit again idea. Um, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. There's a lot of callback to other parts of the Bible in those five verses. Does any, any of that look familiar to y'all in those 20, 22, 1 through 5? Any imagery that you think of? There's one in particular I'm thinking about. Uh, Joseph and his dreams. Okay. Like the 12 like crops makes me think of like the 12 stalks of wheat. Okay, okay, okay. There's something else. You're getting close. The tree of life. Yes. Where did that show up? Genesis. You, early, early Genesis. Yeah, so essentially you got the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. 2.0. It says Eden Restored is the title. Mm-hmm. True. Wow. True. So, in a sense, if you think about the story of the Bible... Start out with a garden and a tree. And there's a tree of life. Remember he says, it's a tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from the tree of life, there's that's, you have eternal life. If you eat from the child, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They eat, they eat the fruit. Sin enters the world. You have a tree. To the podcast, Tom is running to the other side of the room. For our audio listeners. For our audio listeners. <laughs> well, you have a tree? Again? You have a tree? In Jerusalem? This tree, Holy cow. this tree starts it off, but you need this tree to get to this tree. Okay. So the cross is a tree. It's made out of wood. And it's called, in the Old Testament, it's talked about, cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. That means that Jesus took all of the curse. Mm-hmm. Because, what does it say? In verse, I can't even read.
verse 3. We'll back up to verse 2. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the nations are for the healing of the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. Because this is the final culmination of the work that Christ does on the cross. Which is why it says earlier, it is finished. It's finished. We, this is the culmination of all the stuff that God has done through the whole Bible. Is this moment. I have a question. Uh-huh. Um, so is that why... It- in Genesis, when Adam and Eve are like sent out after they've sinned, it says that there was a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the ways to the tree of life. Is that signifying that they can't go back until the cross is put in place? Yeah, essentially, if they would be continue to be allowed to eat the tree of life, they bring the cur- they have an eternal curse. Okay. Because it's that's what brings you eternal life is the tree of life. And so if they have access to eternal life, they bring eternal sinfulness. They bring that, they live with that curse. They live with that disease, and that curse has got to be taken care of. So that's why you start from that moment where the curse enters all creation, human beings' lives are finite, because it has to be. Because you got to, it's got to stop. you got to get rid of it. It's got to end. Either in redemption or in death. And so you don't want to you don't want to let people keep eating from that tree of life with their diseased, infected bodies. You got to give you got to you got to have that cross to get new life. So that's that's the deal. So the story of the Bible, in a sense, is the story of three trees: the tree of life on either end, and the cross in the middle. So then. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. Once again, he gets corrected. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you with your fellow prophets, and with all who weep the, who all keep the words of the scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy of the scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. Let the holy person continue to be holy. Now that passage is kind of troubling, because it's just like, are we just fated to do, be on this pathway? I think, essentially what, he's getting at is like it is really hard once you've committed yourself the longer you've committed yourself to the kingdom of this world it's really hard to switch allegiances um and it is it really is um but the whole idea like don't keep this to yourself it's like this is supposed to be beneficial to god's people like the reading of this book is tragic that we don't we steer away from it because there's a lot of stuff we need to know now, the thing <laughs> that you might be wondering is like, when did he write this? 90-something A.D., and he said, I'm coming soon, and it's 
you know, 2021, like, uh, what? So there is a little bit of debate in what, why does he say soon? And it's a couple of thoughts. One is that God wants, God's always wants his people to be prepared and be ready to roll. And so he doesn't, he wants you to like be prepared. As a, if, Live in a constant state of like, like urgency. Yeah. Like be a, like, if you think about like, um, you know, when you are, if you've ever seen like a war movie and there's people like on the front lines and there had to be like a high, heightened state of being alert. It's like, I want you to be on alert. Um, so that's part of, that's one thought. The other part is that word that um, is translated soon can also be translated suddenly. So. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can finish your thought and then I'll. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, ask. I was going to say, like, could it also by soon mean the fact that, like, we always talk about eternal life. Like, we would be with him eternally. So, really, 2,000 years later is pretty soon compared to, like, And that's the third. Infinite. That's the third way. And that's really the third way to look at it is, like, from God's perspective, it is soon. From it's our been perspective. It's a couple minutes. <laughs> from, our, from our perspective, it's a long time. Um, but he reiterates again, and this is an epilogue at the end. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the, free, to the tree of life and may go through the gates of the, into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Again, he's calling out this culture that they're living in. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you the testimony of the church. For the churches, I am the root, the offspring of David, and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. So just to your point, Haley, as much as it's calling out, like, specific behaviors and stuff, mm-hmm. it's also saying, like, this is available. Okay. You know, like that, like the final word is not that, like who doesn't get to go, the final word is. Come, it's open. Like it's like no matter where you're at, like it's open. So mm-hmm. you got to, you still, you have a choice. Like you still have an opportunity. Um, I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of the scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will send, add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. If anyone takes the words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share of the tree of life in the holy city which is described in the scroll, which is terrifying to this Bible study teacher. Um, he who testifies these things say, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. And that is the Bible. Mic drop. Man, what a good book. <laughs> what a good book. Maybe I'll read it again sometime. Um, does anybody know what the word amen means? Let me know. Yeah, let it be so or so be it. So that, yeah, so that is the how this whole thing concludes is to say, this is happening. God, let it be so. Let let this let this. So when you are praying the Lord's prayer, and I know it's easy to just read it, recite it very absent-mindedly, but that phrase, 
let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're praying for Revelation 21 and 22. Wait, amen means let it be so. Or so be it, either so way. Be it. Same, same meaning. Um, and if you want to see a, a deeper glimpse of what this life is like, I mean, this kind of gives you like the environment, but like how people interact with each other, read the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew 5 through 7 is really, when Jesus really outlines, like this is what life is like in the kingdom, or this is how. And so where that leaves us in you know, August 2nd, 2021 is, um, our lives are designed to be an appetizer to this. That the way that we treat one another, the way that we live together is a glimpse of that. We can't make this happen, obviously. But we can give people glimpses of, you know, what would it look like? Like thinking about, those of us who went down a worship wagon tonight, like what would it look like to wipe away the tears of the people that are on the streets? You know, what would it look like to, you know, bind up the wounded of the people that you meet? What would it look like to bring justice to the unjust places? What would it look like? So that's where our charge is as God's people today is can you give by the power of the Holy Spirit, can you give the rest of the world a taste? A little taste. It's not the real thing, but a little something that makes them hunger for this. Like, I want to be a part of that. And to be, to be real, the church has not typically done a great job of doing that. We often leave a bad taste in people's mouths, but um, this is supposed to be good. I mean, we I preached on Isaiah 61 down at Worship Wagon tonight. It talks about well, let me read this, because this is the words of Jesus, too. This will be our closer, and then I'll let you guys ask any questions you have. Luke 4. It's the first public words of Jesus. And he's quoting Isaiah 61. Luke 4, um, starting in... Um, Verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he was brought into the synagogue, and as was his custom, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and rolling it, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, it's interesting that in the next verse it says, all spoke well of him, and we're, we're amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But then they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And within a few verses, they try to throw him off a cliff. 
So, as much as like this is beautiful, and you would think, man, everybody would just want this. The history tells us that there's a lot of resistance to the kingdom of God. And it's going to take fortitude and perseverance to be these kind of people. There's so, many, there's so much that will tempt you to be different than that. But this is our charge. Thoughts or questions on our final Revelation Bible study for the summer? Impressions after you finally you've, you've congratulations you've completed Revelation. What are your? We've graduated. I feel like there's so much information in there that's so important that so many of us miss because we're scared of it or like we think that it means other things. Like I feel like that kind of, in a way, tells us how to live as Christians. Like it tells us what to steer away from, what He wants us to be like, warning paths, the severe consequences if not, or the incredible reward we do so how does okay so we started the night asking about your conception of heaven now how were your questions answered as we read through Revelation 21 and 22 well I didn't imagine a, a fortress yeah. Yeah. I kind of go that vibe it's a fortress like seeing that from the outside not that you would be able to it would be pretty nuts I think yeah but it's also I think Think about what that meant to the people is that you are completely safe. Mm-hmm. Like, not that there's anything to be afraid of, but you are in a place of complete and utter safety. Just like a big apartment with all your friends. <laughs> so. Really? 1,500 miles? <laughs> 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 the big <laughs> I have is like... <sighs> no, well, it's not really a question. I just like, because of how vast that is... I'm like, well, what if my friend lives on the other side of town? Like, how do I get over there? <laughs> or like, wait, but you may not even know. Or them. like, am I a giant that can hop over things now? <laughs> or, or are you just like Jesus that just appears places? Wow. I'll see. That'd you be nice. <laughs> I don't have to walk anywhere. Teleport. I could, I could teleport each be step. <laughs> There's, there's no concept of time, so does it matter if they live across? Town? Or do you don't you don't get tired? Yeah. I I know, but like, <laughs> you're you're being too human. Yeah, you're looking at this from a very yeah. Uh... I will say, bringing it back, that this like came at a really timely point in my life when, well, there's a lot to unpack about the church I got involved in in college, but um, they always end their prayers with like, we pray that you would come quickly. And I always got this, like, pit in my stomach because I was like, wait, I don't really want to go quickly. Like, I have all these things that I want to accomplish, and I feel like it's my purpose to do medicine, so I don't want to be taken before I do that, and I have all these relationships I want to form and all this stuff, and, like, I caught myself getting hung up on that. And then I was like, well, do I really love Jesus that much then if I am worried about that more than him? But I think this kind of, like, reiterates that it's okay to, like, want to – be thankful for where we're at right now in life and want to make the best of the purpose we've been given, but that I'm also now peaceful about where we're going afterwards. Well, and I think, you know, to be ready. Like, yeah. Be, you know, the, the picture, I think it's this week's sermon, which I won't be here for, but I think it's, it's a picture of, like, 
being caught naked because people slept in the nude. And so it's like if somebody breaks into your house and you're naked, like you're, it's a pretty awkward. <laughs> I remember talking about that that first Yeah, time. I remember that. Yeah. So, to that. so you weren't here for that yeah. uh, podcast, but we listened to it on the way home. Yeah. I so it's y'all talking about. Yeah, so it's just like you don't want to be caught like that. No, no. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to be caught like, "Oh, okay, hi. How's it going?" Uh because I think I even mentioned like imagine how like imagine you break into someone's house and they sleep in the nude and you'd think that it'd be embarrassing for them but then they start chasing you like really I think you're in a power position <laughs> idea of just being you know being prepared and being ready i think it's, it's, God, we're still it's, recording <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> sure are yeah. <laughs> i have not pushed up yet thoughts of reagan <laughs> welcome uh, to my <laughs> podcast just why i'm thinking uh i'm gonna probably take this down after a few weeks yeah <laughs> probably for revelation at night <laughs> <laughs> unfiltered i, I appreciate that yeah <laughs>